Hello, everyone. Welcome to another 15-minute devotional uh, for today. This is for Wednesday, May the 3rd, 2023. Thanks for being here today. This is for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church or for whoever wants to join us on these uh, weekly readings just to get into a good habit of study and looking at God's Word. Uh, my name is Melvin Gaines, and again, uh, this is for May the 3rd, Wednesday, May 3rd. We're going to cover in this reading uh, the verses... Leviticus 26, verses 14 through 46, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 7, and Proverbs 14, verses 20 and 21. Now, we do this uh, to cover what is essentially the two-year Bible plan and daily reading, and our church uh, endorses the two-year Bible plan. It allows for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. But for the sake of continuity in our particular devotional, we're going to read the passages for today, make some comments, some verbal notes about the content as we go. But when you use the two-year Bible plan, the reason why we call it a 15-minute devotional is because it normally takes about a 7- to 10-minute period of time reading the Scripture, reading the Bible, and then, following that time frame, the last five to eight minutes of your time would be spent in prayer, reflecting on what you've read. Now, that's not the format we're using here, but that's the format you should use when you go about your own two-year Bible plan. Follow this pattern because it develops a great habit for daily reading, which is something that, frankly, is very sorely missed. And we want you to not just read the Word, but also study it and meditate on God's Word with prayer and reflection. Now, this should drive you to read the Bible more than 10 minutes a day, but this is a good way to get into a habit, to get started with it. If you've never started it before, and we're all about developing good habits when it comes to reading God's Word. Amen? So let's get started today. Amen? We'll do it. Um, let's make a note here, first of all, that we're going to pray, because we should always pray before we get started, that the Spirit will help us to be able to uh, see what He's been sh- sharing with us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time set aside for us to read and study your word. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching through the power of the Holy Spirit. Bless us and keep us, Lord, in this time. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Leviticus chapter 26. We're going to go and look at verses 14 through 46. For those of you who have been involved with this study, you'll know that the Old Testament reading is usually the longest one. It's we're covering a lot of ground with this reading, but uh, know that it's important for us to do this because if you want to maintain a good Bible plan, you really need to follow the structure that's in front of you, and that's going to help you to get through more of the passage. But let's start with Leviticus chapter 26, verse 14. It just so happens that in, this, in the Bible here, I'll read from the New Living Translation, there's actually a reference here about punishment for disobedience. <laughs> If there's not anything more that we learn from Leviticus, that there is always these these regulations are being put forth to Moses and things that Aaron has to follow as well too. But look at what it says. This is for more for the people. Uh, starting with verse 14, Leviticus chapter 26. Uh, However, if you do not listen to me, this is God speaking, or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees... Uh, treating my regulations with contempt and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I will bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. 
You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will run even when no one is chasing you. Verse 18. And if in spite of all this, you still disobey me, I will punish you seven times over for your sins. I will break your proud spirit by making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops, and your trees will bear no fruit, even if even then you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey me. I will inflict a disaster on you seven times over for your sins. Verse 22, I will send wild animals that will rob you of your children and destroy your livestock. Your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. And if you fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility toward me, then I myself will be hostile toward you. I will personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. Verse 25, I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken. When you run to your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there and you will be handed over to your enemies. I will destroy your food supply so that ten women will need only one oven to bake bread for their families. They will ration your food by weight and though you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. If in spite of all this you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me, then I will give my full vent to my hostility. I will punish you seven times over for your sins. Then you will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. I will leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I will take no pleasure in your offerings that you should be a, that should be a pleasing aroma to me. Yes, I myself will devastate your land and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled at what they see. Verse 33, I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate and your cities will lie in ruins. Then at the last, then at last, the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath years as it lies desolate while you are in exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy the Sabbaths it missed. Verse 35, as long as the land lies in ruins, it will enjoy the rest you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you lived in it. And for those of you who survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies. You will live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. You will run as though fleeing from a sword and you will fall even when no one pursues you. You just have to shake your head when you're reading this. Verse 37, though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You will have no power to stand up against your enemies. Verse 38, you will die among the foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. But at last my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors toward betraying me for betraying me and being hostile toward me when i have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins then i will remember my covenant with jacob and my covenant with isaac 
and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. Verse 43, for the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. At last the people will pay for their sins, for they have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord their God. For their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the decrees, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. Well, there is a lot to unpack here. Um, But for the sake of time, I'm going to challenge you to also do some additional reading here uh, and, and look at some commentaries on this. But suffice it to say, this entire section of Leviticus 26 um, is talking about, in many ways, a prophetic statement uh, about the people of Israel. And Moses wants all of this information to be conveyed to the people about how they are depraved because they are not really following the Lord. They're not really looking to him. They're living in their own way. That was the one thing that we remember if we go back and look at uh, um, the book of uh, the judges at the end where the people were only did what was right in their own eyes. And that is the nature of the Israelites. They're going to do what they think is right. They're going to not be obedient to the Lord. And the Lord is almost making a prophetic statement that this is what's going to happen to you because you choose to not follow me. Down to the point where you're so hungry and so desperate and the sin is just piling up with them that they're going to cannibalize each other. They're literally going to wind up doing things that are just depraved because they'll be in such a desperate state and so scared that even a leaf flying somewhere, they'll be terrified They'll be running away from things that aren't even chasing them. That's how desperate the the people are going to be. And you better believe as we got closer and closer to the time when um, the city of Jerusalem, the city was captured and people were exiled out into another land and they were in a desperate state. They were in a bad state of affairs. They they wouldn't be able to have the plentiful uh, bounty of food. Uh, They would be just running around and, frankly, uh, just spinning in their own sin. And that's what the Lord is talking about here. It it really is worth your time. It doesn't do justice what I just said to uh, what is being proclaimed here. But but go back to verse 46. These are decrees, regulations, and instructions the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. The Lord knew that these people, if they would just be obedient, none of these things would happen to them. But yet this is what the warning, it's almost like he's giving us documentation ahead of time before it actually happens, what happens to the people of Israel who are disobedient. But yet he is going to remember those. He remembers the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not all of them will be completely wiped out, but a lot of them will be. And I think that's the takeaway we have here. We have to look at this for what it really is. It's really a very serious thing. Um, But 
just keep in mind that the Lord is going to be faithful to who he is. When he says he's holy, he doesn't tolerate those who continue to disobey him. He doesn't tolerate sin. He is going to reject those who practice sin and who are non-repentant. And that's what we have to recognize here. Is that a lesson for us? You better believe it is. It's a lesson for us. He may have been talking about the people of Israel, but he's also talking to this present generation of people who live in a depraved manner, who live in such a manner where they're not honoring God or they're pretending to honor God, but they're really honoring the flesh. And so, yes, he's speaking to all of us here, too. You better believe that. Um, and I would challenge anyone to, to tell me that, this, that he's not communicating this very thing to us as well, too. He gave a very specific command to Moses about the people of Israel, but as our as being adopted children of the Lord, we recognize how important it is for us to give him worship and praise and be obedient to his word. And for those who choose not to do so, then there will be consequences indeed. Amen. So we have to recognize that. All right, let's go now to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verses 46 through 52. Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. This is the section in Scripture. And again, just reiterating, we're reading from the New Living Translation, so you would follow along in your version. Uh, this is the section in Mark chapter 10. Very simplistic, but there are certain parts of the Gospel that, you know, you only see one version of it, and, and this is one in Mark. I don't believe there's any other reference to this particular um, character uh, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, who is blind. Mark chapter 10, let's start with verse 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Verse 50, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Verse 51, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. And what we need to recognize here when we look at this passage, um, when Jesus was traveling in Jericho, Jericho was more of a uh, resort city. It was one of those places where he was passing through, and he was on the way to Jerusalem. And you have to understand that this is on the way to, frankly, when Jesus was eventually going to go to the cross. Um, because that's was where his destination was. And he was on his way to Jerusalem, and we needed some, or to understand something. Back at that time, we saw how Jesus was healing so many people who were blind or afflicted, had um, infirmities of some sort, people who were demon-possessed. A lot of that was common back then, but beggars were especially common. There were a lot of beggars uh, in most towns. Because if you if you had a disease, if you were crippled, if you were afflicted, you couldn't work. You couldn't earn any money. You had to depend upon the handouts of those to uh, make sure that you could even just get some food or be able to function in such a manner. And 
but it's interesting how these people who were beggars out there, the people were, you know, God had already put forth a law in Leviticus 25, verses 35 through 38, about what you do for people who are uh, unable to take care of themselves. Um, you were supposed to be generous. You're supposed to try to help those people as much as you could. And, but well, the other thing we need to keep in mind, too, because sometimes the, the blind people were you know, talked uh, down upon or whatever is because many people back from the original law thought that that was a curse from God for sin, being blind. Um, you could read about that in John uh, chapter 9, verse 2. But when Jesus healed the blind, he was telling everyone that this wasn't the case at all. It had nothing to do with being uh, loaded with sin. It could have been, but it wasn't an absolute. And what Jesus was showing was how to be compassionate to others. He was teaching the people there the importance of compassion, thinking about what it is to really take care of someone who's in need. And may we live in that same manner today, that we remain compassionate, that we don't become so hardened by the world, we become insensitive to others and what they're going through. So let's keep that in mind. Amen? That's going to be very important for all of us going forward. Be sensitive to others. Be compassionate to other people. Jesus is showing us the importance of how this man's faith, because he believed in who Jesus was, he was healed. And the example we need to see is that Jesus was compassionate up and took the time to listen to this man. He approached the man. He called him over. He wanted to hear what he had to say. And because of his faith, he was healed. That's how we're to go to Jesus. That's how we're to approach Jesus. That's how we're to look to Jesus. And may we live in the same manner that we show compassion to others as we minister to them. All right, let's go to Psalm 46. I'm hoping that the words that I share with you will compel you to do more reading and studying about these things because that's exactly what should be taking place. And um, let's face it, you can circle back around a year later and read these passages and you might get something else out of them that you didn't get out of them at this time around. So always be ready to allow the Spirit to speak as we go. Amen? Psalm 46, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And this is uh, verse 1. Psalm 46, verse 1, pardon me, for the choir director, a song of the descendants of Korah to be sung by soprano voices. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Interlude. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. Verse 5, God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed from the very break of day. God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. Then verse 7, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And essentially here, of course, this is a song. And the sons of Korah, the descendants of Korah, they're the ones who, um, they were really became musicians. They were the ones who were uh, involved with songs, and, and we mentioned them as being descendants of Korah. Korah was the one who rebelled against Moses, and all of his families were destroyed. But there were people amongst Korah's family that came forth and moved forward and recognized the power of God. And that was passed on generation 
by a couple of generations who are talking about the sons of Korah and going down and looking at uh, the descendants and how they're the ones who are now giving praise to the Lord through song. And you have to understand that um, what is this psalm talking about? It's actually talking about if the world were to end, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about oceans roaring and mountains crumbling, earthquakes coming. We're talking about destruction. But yet, the one who is with the Lord, they recognize what it is for what it is, and they are not going to be consumed by fear. They're not going to be uh, looking at this as a disaster. If anything, they look at him as he is coming. He's our eternal refuge. He is the one we look to and we look forward to when it comes to spending time with him. And no matter what is going on before us, no matter what the, the, the so-called things that are taking place in the world, we're always to come back and say that God is our refuge and our strength in times of trouble. Um, the Lord is a, a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. And I know that's in Psalm 18, if I'm not mistaken. And it's maybe 18.8, not sure of the verse, but Psalm 18, I believe, is where you can find that. We run into the strong tower and he keeps us safe. And so no matter what's happening, that's the lesson that we learn from this passage here, too. Nations are in chaos. Their kingdoms crumble. But God is the one who we look to. God is the one who we focus on. Let's face it. There's going to become a time of judgment. And we want to be on the right side. Amen. We want to be on the side where we're not being judged harshly by God. We want to be on the side where we recognize that we'll be judged for what we've done. But we recognize that um, there are crowns waiting. There are things that... Um, prayerfully, you're all, you're going to be the one saying, um, I finished, uh, I've fought the fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith, and that you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise the Lord for him, for who he is. But there's no need for us to fear about what's coming in the future. We just need to recognize that because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, our hope is now truth, that we have eternal life with him. One more passage, Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verses 20 and 21. Thank you for your patience while we get through these passages today. Proverbs 14, verse 20, verses 20 and 21. And that will complete our reading portion for today. Verse 20, Proverbs 14. The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. It is a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. Now, what did we just get through reading in the book of Mark about helping those who are less fortunate? It's a blessing to do so. You're doing the work of the Lord when you're helping someone who's less fortunate. That's whether they know Jesus or not. Amen? And we have to understand that the mentality, the attitude that many people don't, they are despised by the poor, despised by even their neighbors. Um, you're going to run into people every now and then that are less fortunate. And it's not really our business to find out or understand why, uh, what they've done to themselves, or it doesn't really matter or what, or what may have happened to them. If we are called upon to have an encounter with people like this, we need to be gracious and generous and helpful where we can be. We need to be gracious because people need to see People in that position need to see the love of Jesus Christ. And that's how we are to behave. And we don't want to belittle one's neighbor. We don't want to sin. 
where we're putting down someone, uh, unjustifiably putting them down. There's no reason to do anything like that. Believers have a higher standard. We have a holy standard we want to live by. And that's the example we should always be living by. And that's why we need to live in, in such a manner when we're dealing with people who are less fortunate. So let's remember that as we go forward and glean on that as we recognize that there are many people amongst us who are less fortunate. But you're blessed. Take care of these people when you have those encounters with them. Love them as Christ loves them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to read your word and study your word. May we be always prayerful. May we be thankful and give you praise, first of all, for what you do for us. But now we also want to carry that into how we minister to others. Lord, may we always be prayerful and mindful of those who don't have what we have, that they indeed need Jesus in their lives. And that is indeed what will make them have all that they truly need. We thank you, Lord, for how we can minister to others with the good news. May we do so often, early and often. And we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me for today's 15-minute devotional. We appreciate your time. Please continue to study the word and stay focused on what Jesus has to say to you. God bless you. Take care. We'll see you next time.